in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, before we start reading, you need to remember this. I said, you need to remember this. In the light of what we're about to read, he has been talking about how that a person who receives Christ has got new life. They have divine life from God. They have received a new nature. They're restored back to God. They have a relationship with Him. Their authority that Adam lost has been returned to them. They have rights. They have privileges. They're not a normal person. And they're not for sure just people who have sin forgiven. Now that is part of it, but it's only a small part. We've been authorized. We've been put back. We have an inheritance, a big thing from God that we've gotten. So after he's been talking about that, now he's going to make some more statements here, and that's where I want to pick up. So the fourth chapter, we're going to begin reading in the seventh verse. So if you notice, we're skipping over the first six verses. You can read those at home. And so here it says this in the seventh verse. But to each one of us. So remember, in the light of what he's talking about, this is not a message to the whole world. The message of, of salvation is, but this message, that th some of the things he's talking about are not directed to them. They're not directed to lost people. They're not even directed to church people meaning people who just attend a church. They're directed to people who would be included people who attend a church, but it would be people who have made Christ their Lord and have been made new in Him. Because, you know, there are people who go to church, they've just been baptized or became a member or something like that, but they have never called on the name of the Lord to be saved, even though they may pray to Him. And so these things are not for them. That is, meaning that salvation is, then these things are. In other words, you know, people will do this. They'll get baptized, but they've never uh, confessed Christ as Lord. And we know in the book of Acts, when Philip went down to the city of Samaria, and when he was on his way down, uh, he... Uh, ran into a guy, so to speak, a guy in a chariot, an Ethiopian, and he joined himself to that person, rode along, talked to him about the gospel, because uh, he had been reading from the book of Isaiah, and they, as they were coming along, he saw some water, he stopped the chariot, and he said, hey, what hinders me, or what do I have to do before I can be baptized? And then he explained to him, you have to believe with your whole heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we know from the Bible there needs to be a confession of that that you believe. So he did it. He said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said, then you may now be baptized. And so we need to understand when he's writing this stuff, it's for anybody to read but you have to qualify. You with me? And what qualifies a person for this stuff that we're about to read is that free gift of salvation that was offered 
that Jesus paid for when he died and rose again. But just like any gift, it has to be received. And so that's on us. But if you are one of the people who has received that free gift, then you're changed inside. You have a right to resist the devil. You have a right to talk to God in ways that the world does not. You get to come to God as a son or a daughter. Now, even though the world may say we're all children of God, Jesus did not say that. They had to be saved in order to become. Because even the religious people back then, he made some startling statements. You know, in John 8, 44, when they thought they were God's kids, he said, you know, and they thought they were disciples and everything. He said, you are of your father, the devil. He didn't just say, we're all the children of God. Anybody can become that, and it's super simple, but once you are, you need to find out who you are. You with me? I know I am bad at what I'm about to say. I'll get a new computer, and I won't read anything about it. I know how to turn this on. And I'll kind of stumble around. And I know there's things I do not access, use, but if I can do the things, the minor things I need, I'm okay. And I'm the same way with the phone or, you know, like a tablet. As a matter of fact, I, there are people here who have the same phone or have had the same phone. They may be well beyond where I'm at now because I've had this for a while. And... Um, you know, I remember one person saying, you know, talking to somebody and they did something. I said, whoa, what, what, what was that? And they said, oh, you just, you just shake this phone like this and a flashlight goes on. I was like, serious, that's pretty cool. And then I learned that from them. But, you know, I could have read that. And then there's another one, you shake it like this and the camera goes on by itself. And I'm like, that I like too. And, you know, accidentally the camera would come on because I would move the phone or do something like that. But there were things in there I did not know that were there the whole time. But they're only there if you have this phone. Sorry, iPhone users <laughs> that have been lost in time and space. And... Um, but there's things in here I still don't know, but I bet you if I would study the little thing or go online and look at the manual, I would find out there's things in there that are pretty cool, that are useful, that are usable, that would be helpful to me. You with me? I, I um, recently had been looking at cars and... Uh, I went to this place and they said, oh yeah, you know the cars now you can take and if you don't want GPS in it and they have a monitor, there are certain cars you can just do your GPS here and throw it up onto the screen. I was like, that's cool. I probably wouldn't have read about that either. <laughs> and um, I wouldn't have known. But what is this book about? We've talked about this last week, one reason why we should be in a Bible church that teaches the Word 
is God has given gifts into the body so they can train and equip you and develop you and help with your development of who you are. Somebody said, who am I? That's what we talked about, and we're going to talk about more. But if you don't know and don't get the information, don't get the understanding, you could go through your whole Christian life, end up in heaven, be totally excited, and not have the effect in the earth that God had already ordained for you to have. How many people have four-wheel drive vehicles? Never take them off-road. And they were made for that. Or something, you know, more than just driving, you know, on the, around the neighborhood. You with me? And so the issue is, what about you? What about me? And so he's going to address this right here concerning the people who have received Christ. Now, if you have not received him, real simple, you could receive him, and then this all comes into play. But it's kind of like this, you know, how many people were made to guess, you know, uh, what, what's underneath this skin? And then we had people, you know, that when people died, they, they cut the skin off and not trying to be gross, and they figured out what was underneath there. You know, they have cadavers. And then we have science classes. We got a little skeleton. We're like, oh, that's a, the, well, you know, they had to see what was under there at some point. So don't freak out. You know, I can't believe we're gonna, I'm going to be traumatized. I just need to go eat a burger. They kill that cow. You with me? Somebody said, well, I do vegetarian. Well, they kill the bun then. They burn it, you know, or something. They cook it. But that being said... We would have never known what was underneath there, and so we go to school, we learn, right? You had a class, and they're like, you have this muscle and this muscle. How many of you ever seen your muscles? Most people haven't. You know, all of them? You've seen them all? Not all of them, okay. But maybe you had a tear or something, and you saw something, but you haven't seen all of them. Have you? No. But you believe what somebody told you. And so you could live your whole life without knowing that. But somebody has explained something, and we did our diligence to learn on our own. Didn't we? Homework. Well, most of us did some homework. Some, some of you did homework. And, um, or are doing homework. But the fact of the matter is you look in a book and you go, oh, that's exactly what it is. You don't argue. Uh, I don't believe that. But then God inspires a book, and he said, well, you've got love. And you're like, no, I'm Irish, I don't. <laughs> you do, if you're saved. It's just your mind needs to be renewed. And so when he's talking here, he said this, verse 7. He said, but to each one of us, not the whole world, but every believer... Grace, grace does not just mean unmerited favor. It can mean a deposit, an endowment. But notice it can mean other things too, strength. But it says, but to each one of us, grace or an endowment 
was given. To how many? To each one of us. So no matter what, even though we're one big body, we're made up of ones. And to each one of us, grace was given or an endowment was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So there is a gift that was given to you and they are all different and different sizes and they have been given to every single believer, period. Some of you wish you had that thing on your phone where you shake it and you're like, well, I don't got that. But you do have something from the Lord. And so when he said here to each one of us, grace you know, was given according or gift was given, an endowment was given according to Christ's gift. Notice verse 8, it says, Therefore he says when he ascended on high, in other words, when he went up into heaven, he led captivity captive, and we don't have time to get in that, but it was when he descended into the lower parts of the earth, there were people in Abraham's bosom that were being held. You can read about it in Luke 16. And uh, those people who were waiting for the Savior so that there, because there was no way even to heaven until Jesus died and rose again, he led them out and he took them up. And notice this, and, and then it says he led captivity captive and gave gifts or endowments to men. Now, this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended or went up far above the heavens. He's in heaven. But when he's talking about the heavens, he means the ones you see. You know, there's like a super moon, right? It, first time in 70 years, you know, it's going to be the brightest one, you know, so people are going to go out and look. And they're going to look at the heavens. But there is a visible heaven but there is an invisible heaven. And so he's talking about he's high above the visible and he's in the highest ranking place in the invisible. And it says that he might fill or fulfill all things. He got redemption. He paid for what mankind was lacking and what mankind needed so desperately. And that's why we read earlier where that man was without hope in the world without God. They were strangers. We were separated from the covenants and the, and the agreements God made with the Jewish people, and we were without hope, and he said, and that we were without promises of good things, and now we're not. We have them in Christ. But notice this. It says, verse 11, and he gave, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So notice this. He gave everybody something, but within that group of giving, because notice he mentions it tw twice. Verse 7, he said to each one, there was an ability given. You have abilities. You have supernatural abilities. I wonder if why sometimes, um, you know, these cartoon characters that now we can, with computers, make them come alive and be super strong. 
and they can run fast and they can fly. Really, people like that stuff. It strikes some kind of chord because people want to do more. They want to dream beyond the natural. And there are things that are generic in believers with the area of authority through the name of Jesus, praying for the sick, and so on and so forth that are ours in a general sense. But then in specific ways, in other words, for every believer, but then individually he puts endowments in people too that are supernatural, that help us to do things beyond our natural ability. In other words... If I was singing, I could sing by inspiration and you'd be blessed. But you probably wouldn't want me singing every week. But when somebody is walking in a grace gifting that's given, and there's a vast difference between having the ability and developing in it to walk so it's supernatural, and you go, wow, I sense God. And then there are things that are triggered through that. Because then people get filled with the Spirit who are already Spirit-filled believers. There comes an overflow, and then there's a list of manifestations that can occur in that place. That's why we encourage you, sing. Because it creates a dynamic for God to move in your life and in our midst. And so here he gave some... Not all of them, but out of this group, he gave some to be apostles. We're not going to talk much about this at all today. Some to be prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. And notice the next verse, for the equipping of the saints. So there are giftings in everybody but then God put gifts in the body also to help develop people and help them to walk in the gifting they have. So you're not going to necessarily learn that at school. And so notice he said, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Who does the work of the ministry? Don't point at me. I do my part, but every believer is supposed to do their part. Notice the work of the ministry for the edifying or literally the building up of the body of Christ. God wants his body built up. He wants it growing. He wants it alive. He wants things happening. Now, Paul said this. Turn back to Ephesians 3, verse 2. Now, those latter gifts that he talked about are directly for reaching the lost and developing saints. Notice this in Ephesians 3.2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation or literally stewardship, or you could say this, that grace gifting. The dispensation of the grace or the gifting of God which was given to me for you. There are gifts that are in some people for the body of Christ. The body will not develop properly without those people taking their place. They have to be developed. There are maybe people like that in here that as you grow in God, there is an endowment like this 
that you will then be able to add and help develop things in the body in this aspect of developing the saints. But there's other things for the growing and development of the whole church as a whole. Notice this in Colossians, just a little further back in your Bible, the first chapter, and we'll begin reading in the 25th verse, Colossians 1.25. He's talking about the body of Christ, the church, for people who are, he's talking about people who have given their life to the Lord. He said, of which I became a minister. According, Colossians 1.25, according to the stewardship, there's that word, or that endowment from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill or work the word of God. And then he goes on to talk about preaching the mystery and sharing truths. So there are endowments in people, and I said this just briefly last week, this is why it is important to be connected in a church and connected in a right church. Because I'll be here next week and the week after, and I may be gone out of town, but Pastor Linda will be here. And uh, so you say, well, Okay, you'll be here every week. That's cool. If I if I'm not too busy, I'll be here. You know, if I you know if I get up, if I can roll out of bed. You know, I had a long night last night. Did you ever see that movie, that new one? No, you need to make priorities a priority because you got to understand this is an investment from God, not my shirt, or my jeans, or my shoes. But what's in me is an investment from God then he's invested in me and developed me and led me to go to Bible school. And he's led me to have my relationship with God. Then he's led me to be around people. And then he put me in areas of ministry where I was a youth pastor and assistant pastor for almost 17 years. And I was developing the whole time. And he was doing that for people here. And so all those times when I resisted, you know, going, oh, I've had enough of this, and said, I'm going to do what God said, and I don't care what. It was for the development so that it could be given to you and others. So what you have to do is your part to make a commitment to come, but then you should make a commitment to hear, to really listen, to pay attention, to do what it takes to get yourself in the right place, to talk to God. And recognize whether you know what you're gifting, what you have from God, you need to say, God, this is not just about me coming here to sit. This is about me to be equipped. And so as I get equipped, I can effectively execute things that you want me to do. One area that the Lord wants us all to be equipped in is in the area of prayer. We got returned to God, and so he wants us to pray effectively. But how many people pray and are not effective? But you could go down the list. His word has the instructions. And he said he had a gift. And so we need to be committed. Is it being committed to me? No. It's being committed to the Lord and what he has placed in people. So I might be gone, but I am convinced that God has put an endowment in Pastor Linda. 
and it won't look exactly like me or sound like me unless I talk like that. No, that's not how she talks. I'm sorry. Praise the Lord. Forgive me, for I have sinned. No. But I don't talk with the same tone or the same way she does, but that doesn't mean she doesn't have a gift. She does, and she's been developing, and God has invested in her, and she's endured temptation and different things and learned and developed, and so she has this place in the kingdom. So if I'm gone, then you're not making an investment in her. You're making an investment in the body of Christ by coming to here. The same rules apply. This was an investment in her from God. I have an investment in me from God, and you have one in you, whether you know it or not. And it's big, and it's dynamic, and it's spiritual, not just natural. Because you can get natural people who play the keyboard and do all these things, but if they don't know how to yield, or we have little kids' stories in there, and we cut up apples and have a little snack and send them out to the playground, and they come back in. God will work through people in there with the children. He can work all over the place, and He does stuff, and He puts endowments in people. You can function in any area in the church supernaturally, including witnessing to people, realizing that that is something universal in every believer, that if you will testify of the Lord, he'll back you up. He'll work on people. And it doesn't have to just be natural. I mean, the person who witnessed to me, this is not an example of the best way. But it does show God's working. I remember the guy who was with me, we were both estimators, and, uh, you know, we, we did contracts for commercial buildings, and uh, work, and so we were going, sometimes we would drive in our own vehicles, our, our own company vehicles, sometimes if we were going the same area, we'd, we'd drive together, and, and uh, so this one time we were driving together, we stopped at this gas station, and uh, I was living in the world, and he said, if, if you died today, you know, and where would you go, would you, and I thought, I don't want to hear this, but I'm telling you, it's that stuck with me. And I remember turning my head away like whatever and him getting ready to get out of the vehicle and we were at a gas station and they're like, you know how there's like three pumps or whatever? And he was like at the second one and so I think the person wanted him to move forward. So he went, eh. And he just turned around and cussed at him. Right after he witnessed to me about Jesus. And I remember hearing him going, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, man. And he was so bummed and he got out. Now, that's why I said I'm not saying do that. But God is greater than that because what he did say God took hold of. Not the cuss words. The other words. And God will do that. But we need to understand that God will use us and he wants us to live separate. But we have different giftings in the body and for the world. 
and it, they're specifically given to believers. Turn to Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12. Whether you know what you have or not does not today disqualify you from being able to boldly declare, I have an ability in me from God. If you're saved, you could boldly declare that. I do have something. You would just be better off saying, I have something. I'm just not altogether sure what I've got. Right? I mean, I could easily say, I have something underneath there. You know, my, my, we know it's a bicep or trying to be one. And... Um, I could say, I know I have something under there. I just haven't defined what it is yet. But I know there's something there. But I remember when I was little, I remember, you know, when you start recognizing your body, and I was, you know, junior high, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start working out. And I remember my bicep was like backwards. Like it didn't go out. It was like you flexed, and there was like nothing there. <laughs> like serious. You know, it's like, like barely even a line. It didn't, you didn't make a lump. And I remember thinking, and that's the truth, and I, I, and I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to start working out. And it wasn't very glamorous, but I started doing it. And I remember after a while, it started like looking almost flat. And then started having a lump and then a, like a little ball there and stuff when you flexed. Was that there before? Totally. But with some dedication of continuing to eat and exercise, what was there the whole time began to develop. And if you will just be committed to certain things, what's in you as a believer will begin to develop when you get the right kind of truths given to you. You'll start getting strong, and things will start changing. And so Romans, the 12th chapter, notice this. In the fourth verse, it says, For we... I'm sorry, Romans 12, verse 4, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Now, what body is he talking about? He's talking about the church. Just like your body has many parts, but your body, not all your body parts function identically. You know what I mean like that? Like, like if you ever notice, like your elbows go this way and your knees, you know, your legs go back this way. If they went the other way, you'd look like a giraffe. <laughs> you ever notice that? It's like their legs go the same way. But a body is distinct and has different functions. And so notice what he said here. He said, we do not have the same function at the end of verse 4. So we being many, and if you remember and think back to what we read, to each one of us, each individual, here he's saying it again in a different way, so we being many, so we being many, but we're individuals, but notice he said, but we being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, or of one another. 
We're all part of the same body. So we should get along and work in harmony. That's why we've been given love. But that's a different subject. Having then gifts or endowments differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith, or ministry or literally serving, let us use it in our ministry or serving. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Notice he goes through a list of things. And each one, he said, when you have this gift, use it. Don't try to be something you're not. If you've got a gift to teach, don't go, well, I'm going to be an administrative one. I like that one. That's not appropriate. That's like an elbow saying, you know, I'd like to be a foot. Well, that stinks. Not the foot. But, you know, when someone wants to move over into an area they don't belong. There just seems like sometimes people look at some things and think, well, they're natural. But they're not altogether natural. I'm going to read this from a different translation. I believe I have it in the New Living Translation. Notice this, 4 through 8. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Why would we, he make that statement? Why is it important for you and I to find our place, do our thing, follow after God? He gives an awesome analogy of a body. Fingers are cool, aren't they? They're handy for tacos. They're handy, right? Eating tacos. Burritos, they're handy. Man, if you've got an itch, right? They're handy. So many things. And our body has multiple parts, but what if you don't have a hand? then there's a disconnect where those other ones don't get to function altogether like they should. And when he's talking about this body being distinctly one with various functions, it is vital for each part to take up its role because we're interconnected. As we read on in Ephesians 4, if we read the verses, he said he calls us a body, and then he said each part of the body has a supply. And we know that the body supplies the different parts of the body. That's why if we work in children's, we should be committed to it. If we have a guest speaker, be committed to that. Oh, I can't be in there. Just let those kids do what they want to do. I got to hear this guest speaker. God will make it up to you. As a matter of fact, um, she was here a second ago. 
Taylor. Did she just walk out the door? She's back, uh, right there, sorry. She's front row. She was hiding right on the front row. So she was here when we had the guest speaker, but she couldn't be in here. So she lost out totally because she was out of place because she didn't get to hear what you heard. When that guest speaker had a word of knowledge about jaws and certain things like that, she had already been to the dentist and had cavities, had x-rays. They were going to do work on two or three teeth, the wisdom teeth. And what happened? Now, they're totally miraculously healed. How many want to sign up to work in children's church now? No, I'm kidding. But the fact of the matter is, went back and the dentist had x-rays and then x-rays. That's a pretty good one. And, and so did she miss out? No, she was in the right place, so God may... And sometimes people don't realize our selfishness is what drives us to go, well, i got to go hear this. I'm going to miss something. You ain't going to miss nothing when you're doing God's will. Nothing. You know when you're going to miss? It's when you're not doing God's will. I've had experiences like this before. But I know something's working in the church, and I know one time when we were in the other building, God dealt with me about somebody staying committed to their place, and I saw something coming in the church. I saw it inside when I gave this word. I saw this explosion. It was bigger than what would fit in me, but it fit inside of me. And it looked like a mushroom cloud, like when a nuclear bomb goes off, and it just took off like this, or like, you know, like those desert trees, you know, if you're one of those animal planet people or... National Geographic or whatever, and out in the desert they have that, not our desert, but like Africa desert, you know, and it's just that big tree that just seems to be by itself and it just reaches out like that. You know what I'm talking about? Do I need to do it like this? <laughs> and uh, just reaches out. I saw that inside, but it was, it was like an explosion and then just reached out further than you could imagine. And I knew that was coming in the church. I don't know the exact date. But I knew it was coming, and the Lord warned that person, don't do this, don't go this way, you're going to miss. And I saw what they were going to miss. And it was just about being in the right place. That's all that the Lord was saying. Why do you need to be in the right place? Because you have a supply. I mean, if you're like, man, I'm having a tough day today, I just maybe shouldn't, you know, I just need to be in there and hear the word. Now, I'm okay with that sometimes, but I would think, get your supply flowing and you might find you get refreshed. Because it's supernatural. You might find you get refreshed. I shouldn't say it like that. You will find that if you do what you're supposed to do, that flow will affect others and you. And it will be beyond your own measure. It'll be beyond your own self. You with me? Let's go back here. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. Um, I'll start at verse 4. 
For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of one another. There is just something about realizing, us realizing, being connected, being faithfully connected together affects us. He said, members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace or the gifting that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, reading it in the wrong, I was like, this is not the New Living Translation. Who has a gift to exhort? You should have just said, hey, you're reading in the wrong place. <laughs> Let me go back and read the New Living Translation. It'll sound different. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In, in His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well or literally better than others. Does that mean you should boast? The first thing that the music team should do when they get done is go, you know, we sing better than you. <laughs> Just want to let you know that right now. Of course, you have a different grace. You have a different grace. You have a different grace. And so, does that mean we should boast? Not at all. It's a gift from God. There are things that people would find pleasure in if they'd start doing them as they find their place. Notice this. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. You know, sometimes people, when they serve, if they're not careful, they can get offended. And they'll say, I just feel like I'm being used. My answer to that is awesome. Awesome. Because you have a gift to be used. Well, no, you don't understand. I just I feel used. Now, that, I'm glad you are feeling that way. No, what you're saying is you're just offended. And you need to get over that. Okay, let's just skip that. Let's just keep reading. <laughs> if you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouragement or to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, Take the responsibility seriously. Why? Because we're all interconnected. We have effect on others. If you have a gift of showing kindness, 
to others, do it gladly. Now, let me do a time out here. Because what some people could do is, well, you know, I don't think I have a gift of kindness, that's for sure. <laughs> I just, you know, don't have this gift uh, to show kindness. I must not have the gift to give. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I don't have to give. Yeah, my wife's been upset with me because she just says I don't encourage her enough, but thank you for that scripture. I just don't have a gift of encouragement. Should have married somebody else, but you can't divorce me because that's a sin. No, technically we all function in all these areas, but there are special endowments. In other words, we all lead in some aspects at some time in our life, whether it's in the playground or something like that. We're all to give, but there are people who have grace on them to make money and be generous. We can all prosper, but there are different areas. We all have love, so we can all show kindness. But Barnabas in the Bible was considered an encourager. And he did that. And you can see it as you read through the Bible. But that doesn't mean like Paul was the bad guy, so we need Barnabas to encourage people after Paul knocked him down. No, Paul encouraged people too, but he had a gift that was beyond. In other words, to do it even in a better, or seemingly, that's an emphasis in his life. So don't think, well, praise the Lord, I don't have any of these. No, because we do know the Bible said you may all prophesy. In 1 Corinthians 14, believers can speak by divine inspiration. But some will be used publicly more than others, but all can do it when you're saved. I was saying all this just because some people might try and talk themselves out. You know, some people are like, that's so awesome. I have to be kind. No, we do. But haven't you just, you run into those people, and they may not be that way until they get saved. Some of them are that way. I have a minister friend of mine, and his wife will even say this. They'll go to a restaurant, they'll sit down, and uh, this guy doesn't look like, you know, oh, you know, He's a pretty big guy. He said, his wife said this, and I've noticed it being around him. People just walk up a waitress and go to take to get an order, you know, and just start going, I, you know, I've just been going through all this stuff in my life. And, start, and, he's, and he'll just encourage him. He'll lead him to the Lord, too. But they'll just start dumping stuff on him. His wife said it happens all over the place. And I know because he's a very close friend of mine, and people just, without even knowing him. But there are endowments in people that are beyond the natural. Everything we should do is unto the Lord, the Bible said. But as we grow and develop, there will be things that arise up out of the inside of us. God will deal with you. Hey, I'd like you to be an usher. Oh, no, not me. Maybe there's an endowment there that you could carry it out supernaturally. I remember this when I was in Bible school. 
I, I had told the Lord when I left the church I was in in California, I had worked with uh, youth and uh, for a couple of years, and I went to Bible school. I said to myself, well, I'm done with that forever. I'm going to go to Bible school, and then it's on to greater heights. So I remember going there, and the Lord dealt with me about being an usher, and I kept knowing. I just knew I need to get, go through the membership, which we call next steps. I knew I needed to go through the membership. I needed to obey God, do what was required of me, and then become an usher. I was like, Lord, this just seems really odd. You know, I'm, I'm going to be a preacher, not an usher. <laughs> so maybe there's another position. Yeah, he probably should have told me to go clean toilets or something. But I and not preach at that time, but I was thinking, ah, you know, hey. So he wanted me to serve because no matter what you do, you serve. If you're a preacher and you don't serve, you're not a good preacher. Jesus said, if you really want to move up in the kingdom of God, you've got to be the servant of all. Even Jesus, at the end of his life, said, Peter, get down here and wash my feet. And it wasn't about washing feet, but that was a real humiliating thing because that's the lowest back then, and Jesus washed their feet. But anyway, so that being said, here I am, and I know my attitude got worked on in serving for years. After I was getting ready to come here and transitioning, I remember I was no longer in the youth, and the pastor told me, you keep your position. Now, I didn't forget about the ushering. Keep the position by title. We'll just vacate everything that you're doing. You, he said, this will just be good for you. So I show up on Wednesday night, and, uh, you know, other people are doing youth now, and, you know, I'm down to my last less than a year there, and I walk in, I've got the title, but I'm really not doing, it just, it's becoming title only. You know, people are taking over things, but technically I'm the second person on the totem pole, so to speak, or, you know, the, this person there, and so I come in, and the ushers, you know, if there's dirt and stuff on the floor, some, they'll, they'll clean up, you know, if the, if the cleaning people haven't done it. And so I come in and I see some stuff, so I just go get the vacuum and start cleaning. I thought, I'm, I'm not above this. So I'm vacuuming and a guy walks in and said, oh, they got you doing that now. He got demoted. I thought, dude, you're missing it. If you, it's not about being promoted. Someday I'm just not going to serve. No, we always serve. So anyway, God dealt with me to, to start ushering, so I go uh, sign up, do the things, and then they didn't contact me right away and didn't contact me right away, and I'm like, great, they don't want me now. You can have all those. I can have those thoughts just like you do. And then they finally did. I was like, oh, I knew they wanted me. God dealt with me. So they, there the dress was, you know, this was quite a few years ago when everybody who went to so, church wore a suit and a tie. Ladies normally wore a dress or pantsuit or something like that. Not like all you guys. No, I'm kidding. Or me. But 
But I did. I wore a suit and a tie. So what they did was they had literally, it was a big church, hundreds of jackets that were blue. Some of them were black. Some of them were green or whatever. And they had different color ones that all the ushers wore. So you were required when you were on to wear black pants, white shirt, black tie. And then they say today, all the ushers, because there's like 40 of them or 30 something, 40 of them in the service, you, just, you had ones designated to you. So you're like, okay, I'm third, number 32. I go grab that. I remember the first time they said, this will always be your number. This will be it. So you come and you put the jacket on, then you go do your thing. I remember taking that jacket off, throwing it on to go do it. And I had a moment for like about a couple minutes. I started sensing God moving on me. And then that's something you don't tell people like you're an usher and God was moving on you. Uh, this is crazy. And it happened a couple times at first. I didn't notice it after, but I knew it was there. And I remember telling somebody later after a few weeks, I said, you know, I put the jacket, and he said, I know exactly what you're talking about. You put the jacket on, and uh, that's it. And I started, what he had experienced the same thing. Because we can do things by the ability that's in us. We may not always recognize it, but there is something in us in the kingdom of God. And so we have our part to play, and we'll talk more about this next week. Meaning that there are gifts and abilities in each person. And you can be developed spiritually to walk in God's best for your life. And it'll have effect in the body. God wants his body affected. Not infected. Affected.